Welcome to The Unstoppable Singer. I'm your host, Danielle Tucker, a professional vocalist, vocal coach, and a lead singer of the Mighty Untouchables Band. I'm also the producer and host of the Pandemic Proof Singer Summit and The Unstoppable Singer. The Unstoppable Singer follows the lives of real professional singers who've made incredible achievements in their lives and careers. We cover everything from voice work, making money, booking gigs, songwriting, recording, session work, and more. If you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button so you never miss another podcast. Now on with the show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another empowering episode of the Unstoppable Singer podcast. I am your host, Danielle Tucker. The Unstoppable Singer is an interview style show where I dive into the lives of real life professional singers who have achieved some incredible feats in their lives and careers. And we like to explore the challenges and the triumphs that come with a life under the lights. And we learn what being unstoppable truly means to them. So if you're passionate about music and the stories of remarkable artists, then you're in the right place. We're going to jump right into it. So get ready to be enchanted by the incredible talent and journey of Nikki Leonti, an American singer-songwriter with a musical legacy that spans various genres and mediums. Nikki's musical voyage commenced in Corona, California, where she began singing at the age of five within her local church. The daughter of a pastor, she was surrounded by the soulful sounds of gospel music from a young age. And by 13, Nikki had already made her first recording on a local label, setting the stage for her extraordinary career to come. In 1998, she ventured into contemporary Christian music with her debut album, Shelter Me, which made its mark on the Billboard 200 chart. Her second album, Nikki Leonti, followed in 2001, but life threw unexpected challenges her way, leading to her departure from the Christian music scene. However, Nikki's story took a remarkable turn in 2006 when she became a backup singer for Carrie Underwood, touring and performing on numerous television shows. This marked the beginning of a new chapter as she formed the R&B duo Nikki and Rich, earning acclaim and appearing on national platforms. Nikki's incredible vocal prowess has left an indelible mark on the hit TV series Glee, where she lent her voice to over 250 songs during four seasons. Beyond singing, she has crafted songs for acclaimed artists like Robin Thicke, Jesse J, and Candace Glover. But Nikki's journey didn't stop there. She founded the band Edgar with her husband, Ryan Edgar, and showcased her talents on America's Got Talent alongside their daughter, Jocelyn. Nikki has continued to make waves in the music industry, working as songwriter, as a songwriter for television, film, and commercials, contributing her magic to numerous projects. So without further ado, let's bring her on. Hello, Hello. Nikki. Hi, thank you for the wonderful introduction. Well, you have you've had a, a pretty phenomenal career, so it's hard to compact that all into one, you know, brief introduction. So I hope we can unpack a few more details during our conversation today. Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely like a multiple personality type career. It it's it's all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's always really fascinating to kind of like jump into that journey because it really is remarkable when you look at one seed planted and how one thing leads to another to another. Um, But before we get into all that, bring us up to date. What's going on in your life and career today? What projects do you have going on? Okay. Um, I'm always, I'm always writing music. I think that is my main passion and I've loved being a vocalist all these years, but I realized several years ago, about eight years ago that writing was, something I enjoyed even more than actually singing. Mm. And um, so I write for film, TV. uh, That's always happening. I'm always doing stuff for various programs, animation, things like that. And and I still sing. People still hire me to sing, thankfully. And uh, the Journey to Bethlehem movie, I was a part of singing on that, just came out a couple days ago. Um, There's just it's there's always something and I think you know I'm a survivalist I I'm 
just always trying to make sure that I get to make a living doing what I love doing. Mm -hmm. And a part of uh, the reason I can do that is staying multifaceted and keeping my hands in multiple streams of yeah. revenue when it comes to how we can survive in this because it's not easy to do. So that's why things are ever changing and uh, all the opportunities are vastly different for me. Yeah, that's great. I'm really glad you mentioned that because that's a topic we talk about on the show all the time is being in this business. It is so important to really diversify you know, where you're spending your time and the different streams and channels of income. It's great if you have a primary one, you know, and that's where the majority of your time and energy is spent. But um, just like COVID taught us, you know, things can turn on a dime. And so right. you can't be prepared for everything. But hopefully we, we, you know, gained enough lessons out of that experience to know that we've got to kind of break it up a little bit. <laughs> right. Well, and I think I, I admire people who know exactly what they want to do and they have that one thing that they're absolutely amazing at and that's it, you know, mm -hmm. because I think there's power in, you know, moments in your life. So it's like the repetition builds momentum. Yes. And so you have to continually and consistently like do something all the time that's in that same thing, like the consistency, like when you're building your podcast, it's consistency movement and that will cause the momentum to happen and I think uh I've always admired people who are, like have one sound of, of vocal tone like my mm -hmm. James Taylor I love James Taylor yeah if you give James Taylor any song he's going to sound like James Taylor in that song and it's going to be his style and his essence and what he does but when you're a session singer and you've been paid in the moment to sound what like they want you to sound like you're basically a keyboard that has multiple different sounds and they turn you and you can like be like, okay, I'll sound like her today. It makes life harder when you're wanting to move forward as an artist or, you know, build something around just this certain niche that you do. I think it's harder for someone who's multifaceted, who's like, whatever you want. Yes, I do. You sing in Spanish? Yes, today I do. You know, it's like, it's it's really it's really hard. Yeah, I love that you're um, bringing that up because I think that is such a good point that between both of those frameworks, the underlying current is the consistency and it is just being able to show up as um, that, over and over again and always have that be the thing that people rely on and you know that remember you by and that is one of the hardest things i don't know if you agree with this as you know singers growing up in the business is that we see in uh, you know social media now to us it appears that these these successes and progress in other people's um, careers go so quickly. It happens overnight. They go viral. They, you know, um, they're, they're so young and, and uh, it just seems like things are moving at the speed of light for some people. Uh, but I see so many singers jump into the game and they'll try a few things and they'll really put a lot of great, you know, hard effort into it, um, time and energy and quality and everything. But then, you know, if it doesn't immediately stick for them, it's so deeply frustrating that they kind of throw in the towel or just, you yeah. know, that frustration takes over. But the reality is, is like anyone's success, what you don't see is that, that long, hard road of consistency right. and showing up and paying your dues that happens only with time. Yes, you have to have thick skin. And I can't even say, you know, on here that I have the thickest of skin. I, I do, in regards to my long career in this business, I, I've heard thousands of no's. I'm, I'm a great cold caller, emailer, and it's okay if you don't respond back to me. Like, I, I've always pursued it in that way. But there is something about singing online or putting yourself online that I have a very hard time with. Um, but you're correct in the fact that it, it, it's something that you can't just assume people aren't interested because that, that video you put so much time into only got four comments or something like it, there has to be a point where you're like, 
what is my big picture? If this is what I want to do, it's truly about doing that all the time. And you never know. I mean, it's, it's hard out there. And I'll tell you what, like I've been a professional singer mostly my whole life. And I'll put up a dumb video dancing and it gets more views and interest than anything I do as this seasoned professional vocalist that I put my whole life into. I mean, it's just the way of the world though. People, people are like wanting a certain thing and they want it fast and like, does this interest me? And, and you can't put your head in that. You really have got to take a step back and just think about your big picture. Yeah, that is so true. I know before, like, <clears throat> before um, Instagram became so much more video oriented and TikTok and reels and everything that um, came to be before that, I think so many of us were trying to produce these like highly polished, you know, absolute perfection, you know, masterpiece um, yeah. pieces of content, you know, to put out into the world, which were great, you know, and wonderful. But then, yeah, it is crazy to know that people really just... I, I honestly think it's, they like to see what they can relate to. They like to see themselves in, you know, what they're watching. They like, it makes them feel less alone. It makes you feel more relatable to them. And, and right. even though they kind of have a taste of what your, your background is professionally, they just, they take so much comfort in knowing you're a real human being. Right. Absolutely. They're definitely more attracted to instead of someone sitting with the big ring lights, like if you're doing your makeup, I mean, they tell you this. Now you see everyone like giving their encouragement while they're doing makeup because it's written in these uh, online uh, tutorials about how to draw in people. And it's like doing, you know, the mundane everyday type activities. People like that. They want to see you like putting on your concealer and giving uh -huh. your message, you know, it's uh it's wild now, but it is definitely people are drawn to more realistic things. They're tired of filters and, and phony stuff. Yeah. So true. Well, with that said, let's get into your actual real life background and kind of go back in time to where, um, you got your start. How did singing come to be for you? Um, it's, you know, based on the uh, introduction that I read for you, you've had a lot of twists and turns in your career, um, all the while being very consistent as, as we discussed, but tell us where things started and, and um, bring us along that journey. Yeah. So I was a kid in the church and I think a lot of singers have that story, you know, singing um, at church functions and things like that. My mom sang. And so I grew up listening to her, you know, practicing downstairs, her instrument back in the day, their instrumental tracks that yeah. you'd bring <laughs> solo at your church and stuff. And so and she played, my mom played really great music in the house. She played uh, gospel and, you know, we weren't allowed to listen to secular music, but she would, you know, sneak in some Motown and like really soulful stuff. And and then we'd have, you know, the gospel wine and family type thing. So yeah. I, I did grow up on really awesome music. And um, I think it was by the time I was like 12, I knew this was what I wanted to do with my life. And I heard on a local radio station in California that they were doing a singing contest um, to win a cruise and a record deal. And uh, really random. <laughs> so it was like this 13-week contest. And the first place winners go to compete at the end. And I ended up winning this contest. And it really did change my life. So the first opportunity, the album that I made, you know, didn't really go anywhere uh, publicly. But it did get into the hands of uh, some producers in Nashville who flew in to hear me. And I, I grew up in Corona, California, you know, not really a, a major music town or on the map to any degree, but uh, somehow found myself doing a, a, uh, a concert for this record label in Corona. I wow. signed with them and it happened, you know, really fast. Like you said, it wasn't overnight. I had been singing forever since I was five, but once that clicked, it happened really fast. And mm -hmm. I, uh, 
started recording with legendary vocalist uh, John Elefante, who was the lead singer of Kansas for a while. Yeah. Really great, great singer. And so he started working with me in the studio. At that time, like I remember Celine Dion was really taking off. And so we'd listen to her and different singers to try to, you know, get what was happening. But I made a record with them and it had, you know, four top five singles, number one songs on Christian radio. And um, during that time, I found out I, I was, I got pregnant with my daughter and I was a teenager. And so, you know, you can't really be an abstinence speaker and singer in Christian music and be a teen mom. So I knew by, you know, moving forward with that, that it would be done for me in that industry. And it was, it, it was hard to sustain. I tried to make a comeback, but there was too many radio stations who'd banned my music and stuff. So wow. Yes, it, it became about survival at that point. I met a, a, a guy who's still my friend. His name is Tim Davis. And I was 18, just had a baby. I was in uh, a friend's apartment in Franklin, Tennessee. And he's like, Nikki, have you thought about session singing? You know, we we're thinking about ways that I could survive in music. Mm hmm. And I really hadn't at that point. And he said, I want to connect you to a background singer. And at this point, this singer that he connected me with did everyone's record in Nashville. Her name's Lisa Cochran. And so he had connected me to her number just to like talk to her. And, and Lisa was great. Lisa had even sang backgrounds on my Christian albums uh, before I contacted her to, you know, see what I could do. And so I started in Nashville singing songwriter demos and they'd pay you like 75 to 100 bucks and you'd sing the songs that people had you know wrote so they could pitch to artists and it became a really steady thing for me everyone started hiring me um, because i wasn't really a regular session singer i was an artist that could take their song and make it sound not so uh stockpile like i would come in and give it my own artistic flair, I guess you'd say. And so I built like a business in Nashville doing that for people. And um, through that, um, not long after I got a phone call that Carrie Underwood needed a background singer immediately. Wow. They had their transitioning out of her background singer uh, that they had at the time. And I had two kids and was living in a, a extended stay hotel in Nashville at the time, like times were really hard and I needed the job. Um, I didn't want to leave them, but I really needed the job. So I ended up getting hired and which was its own miracle because my, my interview was weird with Carrie, but I um, got the job and she wasn't weird. I just said things that were just dumb. And, uh, <laughs> I'm sure you weren't nervous or anything. I was nervous, but like I was almost not ner as nervous as I should have been. I was oh. almost, I was almost too comfortable. And she's just an animal advocate. And I said this, the dumbest story about my rabbits growing up that ate each other, like oh, really, God. really dumb. And I left, <laughs> I left going, if I get this job, it's going to be a miracle. And uh, she hired me and I had like 48 hours to learn all the harmonies and stuff oh, wow. for her full-blown concert she was doing to start a tour so it was like 13 songs or whatever and I just listened over and over and over I had never done live backgrounds and I, I'd always been like the front person mm -hmm. and so it was really funny because you can see me transitioning like she did so many tv shows you can see that I didn't know what I was doing as a background singer and my friends still play like I think it was Jay, Jay Leno or something we were on and I was singing background for her with my hands fully extended. And she's like, just stiff straight with only her hips moving. And I'm like pointing and flailing. <laughs> it was awful. And I got a, a, I got a talk into the next day from her <laughs> band leader that was like, Nikki, now I understand if we're like in an arena and stuff, but you've got to really pull this back in. And people were under there like, who does she think she is? The star, right. you know, really trying funny. to steal Carrie's thunder. Steal Carrie's <laughs> thunder. And I, I was just, I was, I just didn't know what I was doing. Um, 
And that happened a few times until I learned my lesson. And now it's just really amusing video to watch, you know, this point, but went with Carrie and then had like this crossroads moment where it was like, I can continue, you know, being secure and being a background singer, but I wanted more. Like, I just didn't want to be known for being in the background because, you know, it's a great job and I, I, I still do background work but I did want to create something outside of that for myself. Mm -hmm. And so I quit with Carrie and moved everything to California. And that's when I started, you know, my Nikki and Rich group and writing songs and just everything kind of shifted. Yeah. Wow. What a remarkable journey. That's so many twists and turns, so many sacrifices and hard decisions that, you know, you had to make. Um, Going back earlier, uh, when you did your first two albums, um, I, I can only imagine that, you know, you're, you, you have put so many years and finally gotten to, you know, this level where you're, you know, starting to get some real traction as an artist. And, um, you know, I, I know that it, it seems as though like your whole world probably revolves around the identity of that career. And then things take this crazy twist, you know, you right. end up having a child, which, which wasn't just, um, you know, it wasn't a great, I don't know, PR, PR storyline, I guess, for, right. <laughs> for your career in that yeah. particular genre. What, and that this is so common, you know, for, for many of us in this career that, you know, you, you build yourself to this certain level and then life happens, things happen and you don't expect it. You don't see it coming and it just changes the entire trajectory. Like, how did you deal with that? How, you know, what, um, what gave you that thing to kind of keep pressing on? Wow. I would say my unhealthy ability at this time to disassociate from the uh. true feelings that I had. I don't think I, I did not deal with it. I didn't grieve uh, being out of that industry until much later when I go, mm -hmm. oh, actually it really did affect me. It didn't during that time because I was on autopilot. I was just in survival mode. I was a single mom. I had been through like really tumultuous and terrible personal experiences as well through that mm -hmm. and married a really terrible guy when I was 18 because I was pregnant and the whole mm -hmm. thing. So simultaneously while working through my career, I was always working through a layer of junk from personal life destruction. Yeah, and yeah. so the, I didn't have time to think about or grieve what had happened with being essentially kicked out of the Christian music industry. Um, but when I started therapy, which I highly recommend, um, <laughs> it changed my life. And then I, I, I really came full circle with, Oh, you know, I spent my whole childhood and teenage years singing, you know, in Christian music. And it really was sad because I really enjoyed it. And it was something that I'd always wanted to do. And then you're like, oh, they finally deal with it and, mm -hmm. and deal with the emotions of that. But everything for me up until that point was survival mode. I That's the only reason why I, I dealt with it. But eventually when you don't, face those things head on you will at some point it comes out you know in some other way and it did mm -hmm. and so I can say it took like I'm a late bloomer but it, it took a lot of years for me to get to where I'm at now where I have like an understanding and like a piece about everything and have moved forward you know yeah yeah absolutely I know those things that we think we think we have swept just far enough under the rug, <laughs> but they always resurface no matter what, no matter what age, no matter what level of, you know, just emotional maturity you think you have reached. <laughs> it just, right. it'll catch up. And it'll either resurface, uh, with inner, like your own inner turmoil or it resurfaces with how you treat other people, you know, it's, yeah. uh, it becomes that, especially when you get married, it's like you, you realize how you deal with things and what, what you need to work on and, and all of that. Yeah. Oh, that is very, very true. Um, one other challenge, you know, that 
caught my ear when you were talking through your story was having to, you know, make the decision to go on the road with uh, Carrie Underwood, having two young children at home and knowing, you know, I know as a mom myself, I, this is such a, not a traditional job or role, you know, especially for young moms. I think we grow up with that ideal picture of like what a mom is supposed to be and what your role is in your kid's life. And in a business like this, uh, it's really hard to align that with that visual. Right. And you, Oh yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what was that decision process like for you? And, you know, looking back, um, what, you know, what were the positives that came out of that? Other than obviously being on the road with Carrie Underwood. (laughs) You know, I, I, if I could go back, I would not have gone on the road with her. Mm -hmm. It, I didn't realize the effect of that, especially as a woman in the the mid to early 2000s, you know, it's like, I think it was 2007, 2008. I went through a second divorce because I had, I was married at 18 and then married at like 21, Mm -hmm. 22. And those didn't work. I, I, I made bad decisions. And the really hard thing about that was it was looked at as something very selfish and a bad decision for a mother. Mm-hmm. And yet a man could go out on the road and leave their kids and it's considered noble. And yeah. so I had to work through a lot of that stuff. I had a lot of judgment and people would label me as, you know, oh, she's a bad mother, selfish mother. Um, for choosing to, you know, support my family in that way, which I was supporting my family, though. And at that point, my ex couldn't keep a job down. So it was like this necessary thing. But I had to go and talk with a conservative judge in Franklin, Tennessee, during my um, custody battle. And he was like, you know, you're out. It seems like, you know, your dreams are way more important than your family. Wow. I'm like, my dreams? I you know, people were raised in families where education was the center. Mine wasn't like that. It was like, pick up an instrument and let's go. Kind of like the Selena movie. Like you're playing this and you're playing this. Like I didn't have any other option for myself of something that I knew how to do to take care of my kids. You know, and even music then was seen as this wild shot in the dark. It wasn't like, oh, she's actually a skilled singer who this this is what she does. And so I faced a lot of issues because of that. And, and the judge ended up uh, having the primary residential custody go to my husband who wasn't, mm-hmm. who didn't work when we were married. Mm-hmm. You know, so like that's really, that was a really hard thing to uh, reconcile how that could happen. And looking back, I would have, quit anything to be the primary residential person for my children. But it was like, you want to be selfish and sing, then go do that. And then I was ordered to pay him child support for the next 13 years. Um, I I paid a really high price for my dreams. Yeah. And which shouldn't have been as, as high as it is. It was, you know, in reality, but those were things that you had to, had to navigate through then. And I even had like, I was, I'm writing a book that's coming out next year. And this week I was writing about that time in my life. And even in the custody hearing, it showed me out with Carrie and I had like teased my hair out like Nikki six, the, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they put it in this giant form in the courtroom. Is this, does this look like a mother to you? Oh my gosh. And it is what it is. I mean, it it was something that I just, I can't believe I'm sitting here today in one piece with, uh, and haven't lost my mind. I I see singers like, you know, Britney Spears, I just finished reading her book Mm -hmm. and there's so much trauma that can happen in this industry, especially, um, especially for her. I, my life was such a 0.5% of what she, you know, went through as a really, really successful singer, but it's relative in the fact of, you know, being used and what traumatic events will do to your body and mind. And I just have so much uh, compassion for that because it really is, it's, 
it really is hard to navigate. And I was reading her stuff about, you know, her sons and, and just resonating about my son and what I had to go through to fight for him as a woman in this business and what that means. It's just, um, it was very, very hard. Yeah. Wow. It, that's incredible. And, and so I, I can so deeply relate to that. Um, and I think it's really important for other moms who are in this business to hear, you know, these stories, but also, you know, women who are in the business who are considering, should I have kids while I'm trying to pursue, you know, this kind of a career? I mean, I'm, I question that myself, uh, because I had my kids a little bit later in life and was already established in my career. Um, but when I had my first child at 33 years old, I, I had a great singing career, but I also had a corporate career and I was able to do both at the same time because, uh, you know, I didn't have kids. And so, you know, I didn't have that time commitment, but, um, once I, I had her, I was just too afraid of, um, I was, I wanted to prove to everybody that I could do it all and that becoming a mother wasn't going to weaken me or I wasn't going to be that stereotypical, like, you know, giving up all my hopes and dreams, you know, to, to be this, this mom, although I was elated to be a mother, you know, and to become that, but I still felt like I had to prove that to everybody that I could do everything. And so here I am, you know, working during the day from home, um, nursing a child while trying to be on a conference call, yeah, <laughs> doing these crazy things that were just tearing me apart and, and, you know, burning me out. And you don't know these things at the time, but yeah. looking back, I, I feel the way that you do, I wish I would have done so many things differently, you know? You just think, uh, if I had known how little these other things would have meant to me in the grand scheme of things, but I know, right. Yeah. I, I feel the same way, but I, I definitely don't regret that I continued to pursue music with kids. Yeah. Like yes, I, I feel like I, you know, and I tell mothers and stuff who are, you know, thinking like having a child or their kids could really halt their dreams. I just have always been like, take them with you, do what you need Agreed. to do. I would, I always tell people to not live in regrets that you didn't go mm -hmm. and, and search out your passions and try to make that happen. I'm so glad I did because my kids aren't seeing a mom that's going, well, you know, I was really good when I was 16 and, mm -hmm. and I, if only I could have done it. And, but I had you guys and I've, yeah. been, you know, it's like, there's not that, that thing. It's like they were at the concerts with the headphones on and doing life and you bring them, you bring them on board with you. Now the Carrie Underwood thing, I I'm glad that it happened, but if like, if someone would have said, Hey, if you do this, you're going to lose primary residential custody of your son. I would have said, all right, let's not do it. You know, yeah. but it happened and I don't have any regrets in the fact that that was such a huge part of forming relationships for me too on the road with her. I met so many fabulous people and so many opportunities really that came from that moment of meeting people on the road with her because you're exposed mm -hmm. to so many awesome experiences. So it was a part of the story, even as hard and devastating as my story got at, at times, it, it really played a part in in helping me sustain a, a music business like career. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. It really is like a, that double-edged sword where it's like, yeah, there, there are certain things that you would have changed, but others that, you know, you're, you're glad you, you went through with it. And I think I, my only regret would have been, I, I would have left the corporate scene earlier, not yeah. the music scene. Yeah. And I would have just embraced that life, you know, a lot more because I, I think above all other things, I want my daughters to see who I really am and not yeah. this mold that I'm trying to live up to, or this model I'm trying to live up to as, you know, this is me, this is what my dreams are. And I want them to know when they get older and make their life decisions that, you know, they can follow their heart, they can follow their passions. And, you know, there's things you have to do to be, you know, practical and adult like, but, you know, it's, it's okay to not follow the, um, whoa, the traditional path here, yeah. knocking things over. Yeah. 
but that's, uh, that's incredible. It's tough being a mom in this yes. business. Yeah. Very are, tough. Yeah. Are your kids into music? Oh yeah. And my, my oldest daughter, Jaslyn is an absolutely phenomenal singer. Oh. Um, it makes me so proud. I hear her and she's so good. She has, uh, so much movement in her voice and can do anything. She's amazing. My son is like, he, he's just starting to see that he's like very musically, uh, talented but he could pick up a guitar and like learn really fast or he we just bought a piano this week and he's already like just looks at something on youtube and is going so he's, he's very talented and then my eight-year-old daughter is already singing perfect pitch i can give her any note on the keys and she'll give me all the harmonies to it like she's just brilliant so it's and my husband's a phenomenal singer that um works in film and stuff too and you could hear him all over things. He gets these really funny animation jobs lately where you hear him screaming like uh, this super metal rocker stuff, which is always a lot of fun through the house when you yeah. need peace. But he's great. And so, yeah, my whole family is is musical. I love that. That's so great. Just living in the environment of it every day. It is. It's hard for the kids to uh, yeah. you know, escape it. And that's my house too. As you can see, there's, it's, they, they have access to like any kind of musical instrument they want at any given time. And, and yes. I, just, I love that we can all share that together. Yeah. So you guys took it as far as even going on, um, America's Got Talent as a family act. We Tell did. We, it was something we kind of curated for the show honestly it wasn't something we're like let's be a family band and, and really pursue this mm -hmm. i had a friend that worked for um the show who was a casting producer that i had sent a video of us singing in texas for a christmas event and he's like whoa that's your you know your daughter and your family i love that i love your story would you guys consider doing mm -hmm. america's got talent and i think at the time my my daughter was like eight weeks old and I'm like, okay, let's, let's see about this. <laughs> and so it was, a, it was really hard because I was, I was getting sick at that point that I did America's Got Talent. I was nursing. My daughter had sensory processing issues and wouldn't do anything other than nurse or take anything supplemental. And, and so it made me sick. It gave me uh, ketoacidosis, which is generally only diabetics get that. It's oh, very wow. rare for a non-diabetic to get it. And so like all my systems were malfunctioning and it was really hard to do that show at the time being, you know, feeling the way that I felt, but it was a fun opportunity um, to see what we could do. I, um, I didn't feel like practicing most days. I was so tired. So looking back, it would have been great to go into that experience with like body energy and not yeah. new mom again energy, but <laughs> But it was fun. We made it to the semifinals. And then kind of after that, we dissolved that as an option. We just, uh -huh. my daughter has her own thing she's doing. And and we weren't really looking to tour anymore or anything like that. So it just fizzled out. But it was another fun check mark on the, the list of things in our careers that we've done. So I guess everyone, you know has to do a reality show at some point. If you're yeah. a singer, you got to at least try out for one of them. So. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. So fast forward to today, you, you obviously are still in this, you know, very musical family. And you said that your primary, uh, I, I'm guessing your primary source of income is, is the songwriting, the placements and, and things like that. But you do have um, multiple streams of income, multiple channels that, you know, that you're working into. Yeah. Tell me what a day in the life or a week in the life looks for, looks like for you right now, um, keeping up with all of the plates you have spinning. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's ever changing. Um, I'm working on my first, well, my second book, my first one was a single mother's devotional that was published, uh, and released several years ago, but this is my first kind of loose memoir type thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so I work on that during the days. I homeschool my daughter. Um, and you know, everything is uh, variable based on like what last minute job comes in. And um, 
some days I get called in to sing, you know, a session. A lot of it's from home. We have a, a great setup um, to do vocals from home, which is my favorite thing. I don't want to be driving around town all the time doing right. sessions. Um, and so we'll, we'll get calls. My husband gets more uh, vocal calls now than I do, but it's I just haven't put my energy into that as much. I don't enjoy it as much. I know that sounds terrible and, and uh, ungrateful, but it's not. It really is just like this life shift. I've been in this business for 30 years, mm-hmm. and I've, my therapist would refer to it as an early midlife crisis that happened of identity and like, so much of what I did had no backup plan. And so you see like the things that you had wanted and how you thought it was going to look didn't turn out that way. And you can really start facing somewhat of a a minor identity crisis of Mm -hmm. really, I wouldn't call it a crisis so much as a shifting your life into like the next phase in the next season. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of what happened. Like, what does this mean to me? What is the what is the driving force of music? Am I am I doing this because it fills my soul and I love it, or am I trying to fix a daddy wound or some childhood trauma and be seen and understood and heard in a different way? You know, there's like this whole thing. I'm a really introspective person, and my life is just a constant learning lesson. I love it. I started uh, college classes several years ago in psychology, and mm. I just I've been on this journey of weeding out some of those bad conditioning things that have happened to me and finding like real freedom in this and doing things not because of survival, but because of true passion and love. And within that, I go, well, what is singing for me? You know, I did it to pay bills and to get, you know, as a single mom to get my kids things that I would want to get them and to give them a life that I, you know, would always want them to have. But is this something that fulfills me really? Like, why am I doing this? Like you'd go through this stuff. And then I realized, you know, that I do enjoy singing. I love performing. I love the way I feel. Um, But it's not like this necessary thing that I have to be seen and uh, Mm -hmm. admired or anything. I just need to do it as like this, offering of my own soul that fills me that I like, you know, I do that. So, but writing is that for me, Mm. writing is the passion that I, I just get so much out of. And so I do that a lot. I work with young artists and help them write uh, songs. And we have a single coming out in a few months on a Christian artist that is signed in Nashville and she's great. And she's had number one songs and stuff. So that was new for me it was last year I started writing in the Christian music space again. Mm-hmm. And I, it was something I stayed away from for a really long time, mm-hmm. but realized I had something to say there. And so um, my first Christian song, right, is going to be on the, uh, the radio. So that's cool. Wow. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. So it's, it's just ever changing. I am looking for that thing like you talked about when we first started this conversation that once it's always nice to have that one thing yeah that's the thing you know but who knows if that will ever happen for me right. i don't know you know i i think that fear can also cause you to have too many irons in the fire mm-hmm. where you go i it, there's like the now money the things that pay you today and there's the later money of the things that are maybe you do for free as an investment of your soul that could be something someday that helps your life. And so I think like it's, I've done more of the later stuff lately where it's not just work for hire, but it's stuff that fuels me that I really want to do down the road. I really want to be a part of, um, but it's hard. And so the, like I was saying, the fear can make you also stretch your arms too wide to make sure that you're always, you know, supplementing your income and doing all these different things. Watch me juggle, watch me dance, you know, Mm -hmm. but there, you know, for me, I am desiring to streamline my life um, to have maybe some more focus and not just be a survivalist musician. Yeah. Yeah. That's such an important message Um, just to really develop that introspection. Like you talked about and, and kind of, 
um, becoming so much more self-aware of um, what's driving you to do certain things, because I'm sure you've had those experiences like we all have where you are fighting so hard to gain, oh, I don't know, an audience followers, numbers, the, the statistics, the, you know, all of the things, um, only to get them and realize, oh, this is not what I thought it was going to be, you know, and to just feel like, you know, feel aimless or just to feel unfulfilled in that or feel a little empty with it, but to really go on that journey of self-discovery that you have and to really try to dig um, deeper below those things to really know what it is that's driving you so that you can always stay in alignment with that and make your choices based on that. Because I'm sure you have this far into your career, you must have opportunities offered to you all the time. And you know, what, what is that North star that tells you when to say yes and when to say no? And, and, right. you know, so important. and what is more valuable? Like I think yeah. I, I'm still seeing the same things in people that I saw when I was 19, where they're like, hey, this is great exposure. Yeah. Will you come do such and such? And I'm like, I am, I've been so exposed. I don't, need, <laughs> yeah. I don't need any more exposure at all. <laughs> no. I need to take care of my family. Thank you. You know, and people will still try to use you and still try to take up your time. Um, mm. And there is an element, I was talking to someone about this this week, there's an element of, of this industry that requires a certain amount of, of favors that you can do. And, and, and there are some times where I, I had like, I was telling someone I had on the Demi Lovato did a song, Heart Attack, um, that I sang background vocals on. And I did it as a favor to the writer who I had written several songs with for Disney. And he's like, will you sing for this as a, a pitch? And I sang, and so then, you know, the songs made it to Demi's album, and the um, the song made it to Demi's album, and the background vocals stayed as well. So, you know, and that song did so well, I think it went number one, and so I saw money a couple times on that, mm -hmm. um, being that I just, as a, for a friend, you know, helped him out, and so I think there's an element of giving your time, because it does help, or uh, doing something that may not pay you your value that you could have exposure, but you really have to weigh that out because, you know, I, at this point I get people well, you know, asking me, well, can you put together a live show event for this amount of money? This actor's going to be there and these influencers are all going to be there. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm too tired. I, yeah. I, I just don't, I'm not Thinking that, you know, back in the day, we'd think, you know, Clive Davis or Tommy Mottola is going to pop out and give you a record deal or something. And that's just mm -hmm. not how it works anymore. And there's not, I'm not looking for those kind of opportunities anyway. Yeah. But, you know, I tell people, and, and this is a message to myself, is that when other people aren't validating your talent and they're not aligning with it or coming on board to help you, the most important thing you can do is to build your own table. And if it's meant to be, and if your talent is that good, that you can on your own build something that people are drawn to and you develop your own audience. Because if it's meant to happen, you can do it on your own. If it's yeah. meant to happen, if your music's that good, people are gonna listen to it. People are gonna gravitate towards it without the validation or help from someone else. Mm -hmm. So if it's not working and you're hitting walls and you're trying to get people to go on board to start building your own table. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. Thank you so much for saying that. And, and thank you for, you know, so honestly sharing your journey with us. I think it's so important, you know, for those of us that are in the business already to hear what that journey's like. And for those that are, you know, trying to get their foot in the door of this business, um, it's tough. There's lots of twists and turns. It takes so much, uh, perseverance. Um, so as we kind of bring things to a close, that leads me to my final question of the interview, which is what is it that makes you unstoppable? Wow. Um, I would say what makes me unstoppable in this business is that nothing has stopped me or can stop me. Mm -hmm. I, uh, won't let circumstances, perceptions, uh, family trauma, 
uh, health, whatever it is, come in and and thwart my the desires of my heart to be able to keep going. And I think within that is having faith in myself and what that is. I I haven't given up on me when people have given up on me. Mm-hmm. I haven't given up on my dreams when life has seemingly, you know, spit me out. It's just still knowing deep within, if you have that feeling that says I was made for more, I know it. I know that there's something in my life that has been telling me that there is a purpose and a plan for me that's bigger than what I'm doing now. It's not to uh, ever forget that voice and that feeling within and do it no matter what, no matter what comes your way or how difficult and crazy it is just to go, I'm not going to give up on myself. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's wonderful. Well, um, I just want to acknowledge you, uh, before we go, um, what a source of inspiration you are, what a great role model you are and just, uh, the strength, the perseverance, the resilience that, you know, your, your journey shows us is really remarkable. And it's just, I think a testament to all the wonderful opportunities that you've had along the way. And I'm sure many, many more to come. And so I definitely, um, wish you all the success and I'll be cheering you on from the sidelines on Instagram as always. And I just, I appreciate you so much coming on and talking to me today. This was a really, really great pleasure getting to know you. And I hope our paths will cross in person at some point. Um, before, uh, I let you go to where can people go to, uh, learn more about your music and your projects? Um, I, I'm an Instagrammer, so I would okay. just say at Nikki Leonti on Instagram. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm going to give you back your day and thank everybody for listening and watching today. We love you. We'll be back next week. And um, thanks again, Nikki. It was thank awesome. Thank you for having you. me. This was awesome. Thank you. Great. Good night. Thanks so much for joining us. If you love this conversation as much as I did and would like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with The Unstoppable Singer and get all the behind the scenes content, you can follow me on Instagram at Unstoppable Singer. And while you're there, please share this episode on your Instagram stories and tag me at Unstoppable Singer. Once again, I'm Danielle Tucker, a professional singer and vocal coach. I've spent the last 25 years crafting a successful career for myself in the music industry and showing other aspiring singers how to do the same. The world needs your voice now more than ever. So get out there and create an unstoppable career.